Sean, I'm back. Took a week off. The Griswolds returned safely, or the Rosens, whatever you want to say. It's been very busy in the NHL, and I think the entire Western Conference has been traded to the Eastern Conference. I thought you were traded. I thought that's what happened. You just I didn't hoping. think you went hoping. to Wally World. I thought you got <laughs> traded to another outlet. You were hoping. That's all you were hoping. But this <laughs> is this has been all right. We're recording this Thursday. The trade deadline is 3 p.m. Eastern on Friday. It won't be a dead day, right? The deadline won't be a dead day, that deadline day. But we've had so much activity. I mean, I just came from Madison Square Garden where Patrick Kane was in a Rangers uniform, and he'll make his debut tonight. Jacob Trickman was not there, but he's in New York with the Senators, and he might make his debut. All that stuff going on. It's been wild, Sean, but this, to me, is exactly the way it should be. I never understood why general managers always waited until deadline day to make a move. If you want a guy, go get him. So is anybody complaining about the deadline being boring anymore? No, they better not be, because the deadline is a month now. It's not a day, it's a month. Uh. It's fantastic. And, and, and what I think really it is, is you look around the league, There's a lot of newer general managers, and there's those capologists, right? They all have their cap guys. These newer general managers, and I'm speaking specifically of guys like Kyle Dubas, Chris Drury, Julian Brisebois, guys who are not part of the old guard, they know how to get around the cap, and they're doing it, and they're doing it well. Yeah, I mean, you look at Toronto and Brandon Prindham, who used to work here. I went on my first scouting trip with Brandon. Now he's their capologist, and... You look at what Toronto's done, and it's been amazing. Like, all the people, they've turned over one-third of their roster, their skating roster. They've got six new players on an 18-man skating roster. That's unbelievable. And and that's the other thing that's happened here. The Bruins have kind of done the same thing. They're going for 100 points tonight. Um, Insane. And they've still made these huge deals. And, and and I guess everybody thinks to, this is the only year that you can win. Well, the Bruins are different because they're the only team that's actually trading with – they're the only Eastern Conference team actually trading with another Eastern Conference team. They get Orlov and Hathaway from Washington. They get Bertuzzi from Detroit. All these other teams, you look down the list, it's kind of amazing what the Eastern Conference teams have done. There's no slight against the West. The West has done some additions on their own and whatnot. But, I mean, all of Toronto's additions, they're from Western Conference teams. Tampa Bay's Western Conference teams. Carolina, same. The New York Rangers, Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko, arguably the, they are the two biggest rentals on the market, name-wise at least, in terms of name recognition, Western Conference, along with you know Nico Mikola. They did get Tyler Mott from Ottawa. I'll give him that, okay? So that's a little bit different. Timo Meyer to New Jersey. Bo Horvat goes to from Vancouver to the Islanders. Mikhail Granlin to Pittsburgh. Chikrin to... Ottawa, it's, it's all picking off from teams in the West and moving these players east. The Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be out of control. No, they're going to be amazing. And, and, you know, there's so much that we need to break down, and we need experts to do that. So we're going to bring in Mike Rupp a little bit later on. Uh, NHL Network's covered some Ranger games. We'll know what to say about Patrick Kane. We're going to bring him in a little bit. But we're going to continue to talk about the deadline here for a bit. The The one team that I think surprises me a little bit, I don't know that it surprises me, but there's been a lightning rod of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Right? They've made one deal, Michael Granlin, like you mentioned. Obviously, people in Pittsburgh want more. They're, they're on the very edge of the playoffs. And those teams that are in that kind of bottom four that are fighting for those last two spots, 
Most people think they're cannon fodder for the Bruins, right? So, you know, there's a contingent in Pittsburgh that thinks Ron Hextall should be fired. Um, there's a contingent there that, that what are you going to do? And to me, they're the most interesting team. I think they have another deal before Friday happens. Look, they possibly could have another deal before the deadline happens. I have opinions on this, okay? So I'm going to try to put them in order here. But this goes back. They signed Malkin, and they signed Latang. They knew they had Crosby still inked for three more years. They went ahead last summer and signed Malkin and Latang again. They could have easily not done that and started a rebuild. Would that have made Sidney Crosby happy? No, but that's life sometimes, okay? It's the way it goes sometimes. I mean, there's legends that were with the Chicago Blackhawks. One no longer, one's not playing right now because he's out in Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane that have gone through this, right? So it's not always perfect how it ends for you in a place. But they went ahead and they signed those guys. The moment they did that was them signaling, we're still in this. We're still going to go for this. But everybody knew that they weren't good enough. Like, they just weren't good enough to, to go on the, the magical runs that they've gone on in 2016 and 2017. But they're trying to piece it together to keep it alive because you know, as I do, if you get in, you got a chance. The Penguins know that. If you get in, you got a chance. Mikhail Granlund does not put them over the top. He doesn't make them a Stanley Cup championship team but he's an upgrade from what they had. And he's signed for a couple of more years within the window of Crosby and Malkin. It, to me, everybody wants to kill Ron Hextall. Well, not everybody, but a large contingent in Pittsburgh want to kill Ron Hextall here. What he's doing is the mandate that he has been given. Keep this alive for as long as you can. Get us in the playoffs. Mikhail Granlin helps the Pittsburgh Penguins. So why did the Washington Capitals sell, sell, sell? Isn't Alex Ovechkin the same issue? They, it is. It, but they didn't go ahead and re-sign two other franchise icons this summer, right? So there is that issue. There's there one there. Then, you know, look, their D is in sh- was in shambles. Uh, there were a lot of question marks there. And they made an educated decision to say, it's not our year, right? It's just not our year. Let's see what else we can do here. Let's move the guys who were probably not going to re-sign. And let's get things for them. And they get a guy like Rasmus Sandin, a young defenseman. Might have a future there for them, right? I mean, they re-sign Nick Jensen. Their D is starting to come together for next season. But the Pittsburgh Penguins went out and they made the announcement, essentially, that they're still in this. They did it before the season. They're in a playoff position. The other thing is Pittsburgh's been playing better of late. Washington was not. That's Washington sold because the players basically told Brian McClellan, the GM, that's what you have to do. They weren't playing well enough to add. Penguins, have, as of we speak right now, on Thursday, they've won three in a row, okay? And, and they just beat Tampa, right? I mean, they, they've been playing very well, so... Here you go. We're going to give you that little addition. We made some moves to get it. It's, and again, he's a playmaker. He's a distributor. Guy had 64 points last season. Let's not judge him solely on what he's doing for the Nashville Predators this season. It's been a down year for everybody in Nashville compared to what they did last season. Maybe Mikhail Granlin comes to Pittsburgh and gets a spark and helps their third line or their second line, just their top nine in general, 
and he makes them way better. They have not had depth scoring beyond their top six this season. He helps them. Well, I agree 100%, but I, like I said, I, I see it as the same situation in Alex Ovechkin. You've made a promise to that player that he'll always have a chance, and he doesn't have a chance now. Well, he doesn't have a chance this year. Let's see what else they do, right? I mean, that's the thing. They've moved out guys that they obviously identified as no longer really being a part of it, but that doesn't mean – and I think the same thing in St. Louis. Like, I, I, I think similar for them, they've moved out players that they could get assets for because the team right now, as it's situated this season, this day in particular, is not good enough to be a playoff team. But they've created room for themselves – and they know that come this offseason, they might be able to make changes to this roster that get them right back in the position of being a contender again. This isn't a rebuild. This isn't what Montreal is doing, what the New York Rangers did, what Arizona has been doing for a long time, right? What Buffalo has been doing multiple times. This is the old definition of the retool, right? And Pittsburgh doesn't want to do that. They, they don't have an interest in doing that. They want guys who, within that two- to three-year window, can help them go out and make the playoffs. That's the mandate. Make the playoffs. But you can change that on a team like the Penguins because of the pieces that you have. But, again, I, I'll say I think we're going to have a second trade deadline, to be honest with you, and it's going to be the draft. Yeah. With all the draft capital that's moved, all the first-round picks that have moved, all the high second-round picks that have moved – Teams like St. Louis and Washington who aren't interested in rebuilding and want to retool are going to do it on the fly, and that's where they're going to bring out the ammunition and yeah. say, here we go, boys. Now you're in a roster crunch. Now you realize how bad things are. We're going to pounce. Here's some draft capital. Let's go. And, and, and I think that I would hope that that, in terms of with the Capitals in particular, has been relayed to a guy like Alex Ovechkin, that, listen, it's not our year. So let's let's reconfigure this thing and go for it again next year. We're not we're not saying we're going to be bad for three years so we can be good in four, right? No, this is not our year. Hasn't worked out. Here we go. Let's move on this season. Let's reconfigure it for next season. Those teams are going to be really interesting to watch at the draft. But now, I mean, let's talk about right now. I mean, Sean, I just came from Madison Square Garden. Patrick Kane is going to play with Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek. Vladimir Tarasenko with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. The New York Rangers made all kinds of moves. Some I think people don't like, some don't agree with, but they did it with what's legal to get these guys in. And now you look at this team, they have all kinds of weapons. And for the first time all season, they actually have a complete four-line rotation That'll look pretty good. When Ryan Lindgren's healthy and Keandre Miller is back from his suspension with Igor Shesterkin and Nett and Adam Fox and Jacob Truba, they've positioned themselves to be right there for a Stanley Cup run this season. I, I was asking the question to some of the guys uh, the other day and down in Philadelphia. Last year, they added Andrew Kopp and Frank Vetrano, right? I mean, Tyler Mott, who they added again this year, and Justin Braun. Those were nice moves, and those guys filled roles and fit in this feels way different this feels to me like they're saying it better happen this season well i think that's the case but i have two questions for you one how many pucks are on the ice at any given time <laughs> one 
But they may try to sneak another one on when Panarin and Kane are out there together. And two, with the guys that they had before they got these two guys, how many times have you sat in the garden and watched their D just get dummied? Well, because of because of Ford's turned the puck over in a bad place, and, and they're laughing about it. Panarin laughs about it. Oh, I, coach, I turn it over a lot. You might need elbow pads because you're always whacking the glass <laughs> with your elbow. Now it's going to be worse because I'm playing with Patty. Yeah, like that is not playoff mentality. That is not playoff hockey. That is not what wins in the playoffs. I wish it did. I do. I wish everybody went out and played fire wagon hockey in the playoffs, but they don't. Difference is, the two guys that they added. This season, the two main guys that they added this season in Tarasenko and Kane know how to play playoff hockey, and they've won in playoff hockey. Panarin has not. I mean, the furthest he got was last season. He could take a lesson from what Taras, what he's going to see from Tarasenko in the playoffs this season, and probably from Kane too, because we've seen Patrick Kane play playoff hockey and play it as play it better than everybody else. You know, in, in, in certain seasons. The guy was a Conn Smythe Trophy winner, right? I mean, it's been a number of years, but he knows how to do it. So I think that's actually one of the big differences here is the style of play, yeah, I get exactly what you're talking about. But these two guys, I mean, Tarasenko not long ago won the Stanley Cup. Kane obviously has won it three times. They have an understanding of what it takes and the style you have to play. And also, the Rangers in general have that understanding now after getting beat by it last season the Tampa Bay Lightning taught them the lesson last season. Now, does that matter? I don't know. I mean, frankly, to be honest with you, they're going to play Panarin with Trocek and Kane. So Panarin and Kane are on the same line. I actually think they shouldn't be. And I know that they've had great chemistry. That was seven years ago. To me, if you had Tarasenko with Panarin and Trocek and Kane with Kreider and Zabanajad, and that may very well be how it ends up going, you have two distinct lines. You have a line that has a net driver. Each line has a net driver, Trocek on one, Kreider on the other. You have a line with a playmaker, passer, Panarin on one, Kane on the, Kane on the other, and a shooter, Tarasenko on one, Zibanejad on the other. By, by putting Panarin and Kane together, to me, that's just trying to make Panarin happy and make Kane comfortable. And maybe that's what you do at the start, but I actually think it could be better the other way. Do you not remember from 2019 during the playoffs how many times Craig Berube was veins popping out of his head because of Vladimir Tarasenko? But he won, and he was pretty good. You know, he did. He, he won. Did. He know, won. He won. But it was not a. It was it's not a, a happy. <laughs> it was not a happy, happy, happy yeah. marriage. Regardless, we could talk like. We could talk all about the Rangers and their chances. Is anybody beating Boston? Yes. You think so? Somebody beat Tampa Bay. I, look, I agree. I agree. And, and look, Boston. And after Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup back-to-back years, that's when they got beat. No, they got beat when they were the oh, best team Oh, you mean in, in that year when Columbus. When yeah. Columbus beat them, when that's who the Bruins are chasing right now for the record. They go for 100 points tonight. They'll be the fastest team to do it, faster than that legendary Detroit team, faster than the Tampa Bay team that lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and none of it matters. They got horrible news today while they got good news today. Yeah. So today is Thursday. They trade for Tyler Bertuzzi. Everybody's like, oh, my God, they're completely loading up. This is crazy. And then they signed Pasternak to an eight-year, $90 million deal. And then they announce that Taylor Hall and Nick Felino are hurt, and there's no timetable for either one of them 
So their depth took a huge hit right there. That's why they had to trade for Tyler Bertuzzi and give up another first-round pick. I don't know that the Bruins are going to pick before the third round for the next three years. Um, and, and that's what David Krejci signing into, right, with maybe Bergeron leaving after this year. I, I, think, all of this, yeah, I, I think all of this has been done as a thank you to Patrice Bergeron for the deal that he took, for David Krejci for the deal that he took, right? Those discounts that allowed them to do things. It's very much like the New England Patriots when Tom Brady would always take a discount and the thought was, we'll surround you with pieces that'll help you win. Mm -hmm. And they won because of it. And I think that's what's happened here is very much like Pierre Dorian deciding to go get Chikrin because he felt his team deserved it. I, I think that Sweeney felt that he owed it to his veteran core who had sacrificed and proven that they're good enough to be elite, that he pretty much threw everything. They're all in. And who knows when this opportunity is going to present itself again. Do you think the Boston Bruins are like the Tampa Bay Lightning from 2019? No, because they've because in 2019 they went to the final. Because Patrice Bergeron's been to three finals. They know how to win. I don't think that Tampa Bay knew how to win, and they needed to learn. The Bruins aren't going to get surprised, and they're also not going to fold if they play in the first round and they go down 3-1 to one in a series against somebody. They've come back against the, against the Maple Leafs to do that. So I think mentally they're better, and they may have the best goalie in the East, yeah. which is always a huge thing. But with all of that said, surprises happen every year, and the President's Trophy winner very rarely gets to the Stanley Cup Final. No, and I, and I understand all of that is true, but that's where I've and I and I've heard that comparison to Tampa all season long, and, and on the surface, it makes a lot of sense. I I get it, you know, but you like you just said, you're talking about a battle-tested Bruins team versus a Lightning team that was not. You're talking about a Bruins team that very well could be quite different looking next season whereas the lightning knew they were in place for a while you know at that time that loss to columbus they knew they could come back the next year pretty much intact you know and be like all right we're gonna go for it again this bruins team can't do that right i mean we don't know the future of Krejci. we don't know the future of bergeron bertuzzi with them now we don't know these futures that these guys have you know a few guys are going to be there we know Pasternak's going to be there. You know, Marshan, McAvoy. So they'll be good. They have good players, but it's, it could be a completely different team next year. To me, that's the difference. And that's why, you know, they're not just having a great season. They're a legit favorite because of a lot of those reasons, not just the season they're having. Even the season Tampa Bay had that year, hindsight being what it is, it, you couldn't see it coming, what happened to them. But when you read all the stats behind it and you watch them how they play the last 15, 20 games of the season, it becomes less of a surprise. Dan, I have $11 in my pocket. Me too. That's all I have. That's it. I would put it on the Bruins right now. Yeah, well. If I, mean, I had to take my So now last we got 22 bucks to put if, on the Bruins. <laughs> if I had my last $11 and I had to put it somewhere, I'd put it on the Bruins. Yeah, look, I, but, but here's the thing, too. All of the odds are awful, so I might have to yeah. pick another team to try and have a little bit of money in my pocket. So I would win like eleven twenty on my eleven dollars. <laughs> here's the other thing, though. Let's say Boston Boston's going to have the advantage regardless of who they play in the first round. And it's not they're not going to play a slouch, whether it's the Islanders or the Penguins, possibly the Senators, Sabers. We, we don't know, right? They're not going to play a slouch, but they're going to have the distinct 
advantage, and they will be a heavy favorite. They won't be in the second round. And that, that's what makes this so unique. It's so, so interesting in the fact that two teams, Tampa and Toronto, Toronto in particular, have Toronto has gone all in, and I love it. It should. But it's potentially to lose in the first round again, you know? Tampa, not necessarily all in. This is the year they just do what they, they getting Tanner's, you know, everybody talks about giving a five draft picks in Calfoot, whatever. They got a guy they wanted. You know, they're not picking in the first five rounds of the 2023 draft, and they could care less about it. But one of those two teams, the way it's situated now, I can't see a change in is going home. And the other one's potentially likely going to play the Bruins. And as good as Boston's been, they're going to face a dominant team if they get out of the first round they'll face a dominant team in the second round yeah especially if it's tampa bay yeah right because there's no question in goaltending when i said earlier that that omar might be the best goalie in the east vasilevsky's the best playoff goalie in the east right so uh, look i i just when i look at tampa bay they can do whatever they want right you're right they got their guy i think he's going to be really really good for them he's made for playoff hockey and they're so good at developing players and signing free agents, like not only veteran free agents, but unsigned free agents and developing those into players that unlike other teams that don't pick, their pipeline doesn't yeah. really dry up. They always have capital to make their team better. And as long as they have Stamkos and Hedman and Vasilevsky, they're in the same place that the Penguins are. They can't pull the pin, so just keep trading your draft capital. Inherit it down the line. That's going to be somebody else's heirloom. Yeah, I love what Julian Breezeboss said after that, You know, talking about the five draft picks and Cal Foot that they gave up. Is one first round pick, one second, one third, one fourth, one fifth, right? And, and it, and it kind of goes the other way. It's you know, three, I think it's three in this draft and then one in 2024 and one in 2025. Um, but what he said is, you know, you look at the value of draft picks and the odds of how when they can help you, 0% chance that any of those five picks, they're not even players yet, they're just picks, 0% chance that any of those five picks will turn into a player that can help the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup this season or next season or the season after that. Much bigger chance that Tanner Janot can help them win the Stanley Cup this season, next season, and the season after that. It's an it, like people look at it as an overpay. I don't know who they were bidding against, but they had to have been bidding against somebody, or else they wouldn't have paid the price that they paid. It, it's it was it's the move that Julian Breezeball is going to make because he doesn't value draft pick. I think a lot of people overvalue draft picks. To be honest with you, like that third round pick that you give up to get somebody. What are the odds? And Julian Breezeball knows this because he's a smart guy, much smarter than you or I. What are the odds that that turns into an impactful an NHL player of any sort, let alone an impactful one? You make that move every day. Yeah, and I think that's where analytics come in. And look, we're going to have Mike Rupp on in a minute, but before we get to that, there's one last thing I have to say, and you kind of skirted around it, you know, talking about the deal for, for, uh, with, with the Predators. Any other week, the biggest news of the week. Yeah would be David Poyle stepping down in Nashville. Barry Trotz is going to be the new GM. David's going to stay around as a senior advisor. That man built the Predators from the ground up. He hired Barry Trotz as their first coach before they even had a team. 
He went into the community. He made big trades. He got them to the Stanley Cup final in 2017. He's done everything in hockey you could possibly imagine. You know, he said in his last press conference, I've been in hockey for 50 years. It's the only job I've ever wanted. It's the only job I've ever had. How lucky am I? How lucky is the NHL? David Poyle is one of the classiest individuals that's ever existed in this game, and he's done so much for the game. And like I said, because of the trade deadline, because of the signings, because of everything else, it's been like a blip on the radar. If it happened three weeks from now, it'd be all we would be talking about. But you know why it didn't? Because David Poyle doesn't want it that way. Right. No, he doesn't. And by the way, he is setting Barry Trotz up to build the Predators into a team that can contend for a while because they value draft picks, not necessarily the players they have right now. It's why they traded Ekholm, why they traded Granlin, why they traded Janot to get all these draft picks. He's giving the keys to Barry Trotz to take the Predators into the next generation with young, next-gen players. That's what he's doing, uh, and they're doing it on purpose because they weren't going to the playoffs this year. They weren't good. They have, they're another one of those teams that just not good enough, but... David Poyle, as you said, 50 years, right, in the National Hockey League, no Stanley Cup champions. But I I don't want to speak for him. Obviously, he would love to win the Stanley Cup. Maybe he does as a senior advisor with the Nashville Predators. I don't know. Gets the name on it that way. But if I were David Poyle, as great as that trophy is, as unbelievable as that experience is, I wouldn't trade 50 years for the Stanley Cup. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't trade my life for the Stanley Cup, my life in a sport for the Stanley Cup. He's had a life in hockey, and it's been remarkable. Well, Mike Ruff's somebody else who's had a life in hockey. He won the Stanley Cup. He won the Stanley Cup, scored this Stanley Cup winning goal, as a matter of fact. So let's get his take on some of the stuff that's happened this week, which has been, as we've already established, completely insane in the membrane. Rupper, thanks for doing this. So we call it trade deadline day, but it's really trade <laughs> deadline month. And I just an overview from your perspective. What have you made of this uh, this type of frenzy? And I love it. I'm, I'm assuming you do, too. It's like um, it's like when you celebrate someone's birthday and it becomes like birthday week or birthday month. Right. Like you have a multiple dinners and you're going out celebrating numerous times. It's not just the one day, but that's what this has turned into. I've never seen anything like it before, guys. Like, I don't know about you. Um, it's, I, I just, not just because it's the Eastern conference that has been these headliners, these big moves, but I just don't know if I've ever seen this much of a frenzy ever at deadline time, but let alone leading up to deadline day. So, uh, it's been awesome. It's been fun. Uh, I get a little bit of, I get a little bit of anxiousness thinking of what some of the players may be going through, but, uh, from this standpoint where we are, it's incredible. I love it. This is the best time of year right now. It's going to make for some tough TV tomorrow, though. I oh, I know. I can juggle. I, I can do some <laughs> impersonations. So, and we got that on the back burner if we need to. We got what we got on the NHL now. We've got 10 hours of coverage. Um, but here, here's the thing, though, and some of this is like, there's still teams out there that need to change things. So, sometimes it's about job security in order. You can't just sit there as a GM and be like, I knew I needed to do something. Some of these GMs are waiting for the prices to drop. They're not dropping. I think they still do something. It's probably just all of the names that we thought were going to be, you know, the pending UFAs and, and the headliners. A lot of that's already happened. So I, I still think we'll see some trades. I don't know if we'll see the massive ones that we've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, look there, we can get to that, but speaking of massive ones, I mean, look, Patrick Kane's going to be making his debut 
tonight as we talk here on Thursday at Madison Square Garden. He's going to be playing on the line with Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek. You've got Vladimir Tarasenko playing on the other line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. Chris Drury clearly making moves here to signal we're we're in this to win the Stanley Cup this season. What do you think of this move? We've seen Tarasenko now. He had a big night against Philadelphia. Do you think it's a seamless fit for Patrick Kane, or do you think it takes a little time? Like, how do you see this work? Um, I think that everybody needs to move forward with optimism, but cautious optimism, because it's going to take a little bit of time. Like, I don't expect, I mean, put it this way. Would I be shocked if Patty Kane went out there tonight and scored a goal at MSG? No, I wouldn't be shocked at all. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be smooth sailing the whole time. They've got 21 games left to figure it out. Um, here's the part that, that, that kind of gets me. I love the move. I mean, the move, Chris Drury and what he's done with this team, um, on paper, which is kind of a dangerous phrase to use at times, on paper, I, I would put them in the probably the only team that can go toe-to-toe and really, for me, check every different category that the Boston Bruins can. And that doesn't mean that they're the best team besides the Bruins. It just means if you're just – in my mind, when I'm looking at all these different angles and what maybe a playoff series is going to present, the Rangers check a lot of those boxes. Um, there's – there's going to be a level of personal sacrifice for the betterment of the team on the squad. You're going to have to figure it out. I mean, uh, we know that Kane and, and Panarin played really well, best line hockey with Anisimov in those Chicago days, but things have changed since then. They both actually run the exact same position on the power play. So how does that work? Right. Um, Vlad Tarasenko, um, even when he came over, started having a trickle down effect. Now we start, all right, do we try to use power play two a little bit more? And, uh, there, there's a lot of players that, and, and I always find that the, the, the high skilled players, they need power play time to get their reps in, to get their touches in that makes them feel good about themselves. Some of the guys might get less power play time and, and how is that going to work? It's, it's an interesting one for me. And, uh, it, there's a trickle down effect throughout this lineup. I mean, I even think about Jimmy VC and Barclay Goodrow have been very serviceable for this team all season long. They've played quite a bit more minutes than they're going to probably be playing. So how in the middle of the season do you go from, all right, this is how I felt the game through 50, 60 games. Now I'm going to have to find a way to contribute with less. So they've got their work cut out, but I mean, Chris Jury did his part. He can sit back and, and let Gerard Glant and company figure this out. So Mike, I'm going to ask you this. We were talking about it before you came on on the podcast here, and you're one of the people that's uniquely qualified to answer it. I had some of the same concerns you did. Part of them were defensive with those two players and the fact that the Rangers are already not the most sound defensive team. And Dan argued that they've each won a cup and that they've learned to play playoff hockey because of that. And I'm curious, as a Stanley Cup champion yourself, do you change in that process? And are they different players come playoffs because of what they've learned? Some players can do that. I mean, I, I don't think you change your game. It's just you're more calculated. And you understand it's like it, that. That's the thing is in the moment in, in a flash of a, a second in a game, you've got to kind of run the numbers in your head and know what the odds are, what the chances are. I mean, maybe not to that level, but you're, you're weighing the risk reward. I mean, and, and in the playoffs, sometimes when you just get that feeling like this might not work, you, you got to do the, the safe play. Right. And then those guys know that. And uh, that's part of cup runs, whether they did it, or not, they've seen their teammates do it. They saw how that brought to success to their team. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be an adjustment made, um, but they're, you know, it's, 
it's just a very interesting dynamic because again, Vlad Tarasenko has just like any player has holes in his game. You know, his holes are sometimes he freelances a little bit in the defensive zone. But what we do know is he has 41 goals in 90 playoff games. And that is up there with Nathan McKinnon, Braden Point, Alex Ovechkin. So for whatever reason, the playoffs bring the best out of Vladdy, right? So, I mean, can you can you live with some turnovers? Absolutely. If that guy's going to go put up uh, 15 in a cup run, uh, that, we'll live with that. Yeah, no, I, exactly. And that's what we were talking about before with Sean mentioned, you know, Craig Berube was ripping his hair out in that 2019 run about Tarasenko sometimes, yeah. but he, but he was pretty good and they went and won the Stanley cup. So, you know, you, you, you have a little less hair after a cup run. That's okay. Right. I mean, you could talk about that rougher. Yeah, no, <laughs> Hey, Hey, I, I, I lose hair watching teams go on cup runs. So it's not even totally fair for me, you know, but, uh, or it just, or it just falls down my face and then I collect it down here. Whatever. There you go. <laughs> uh, are the devils situated now to be a much tougher out in the playoffs with Timo Meyer? So I don't, I don't think that one player completely changes a team, but um, so I, I, I was kind of having fun with on social media that the devils should get Timo Meyer. And the reason why is I'm looking at this team. They're so fun to watch. It's a good team and they, they play a certain style. And to be frank, it's a style that has given the Rangers fits. And you know, this, like we, yeah. we've seen those games where it's like, the score maybe didn't reflect it, but the way that the game went, the Devils are too, they're fast and they give the Rangers problems. But in playoff hockey, when teams realize taking away the middle of the ice is a priority, can the Devils still do their thing? I mean, they have a lot of players that are undersized. They have a lot of players that, geez, I, I don't want this to sound like an indictment on their players because they have really good players, but they have a lot of the same type of players. And they needed someone to play with a little more, you know, abrasion um, to be big, to be able to score, go to those harder areas. And Timo Meyer, I, I think the lineup find a way to keep him long term. He can grow with this team. So um, does he change things? Yeah, he he helps them. I, I thought that this is a if it is Rangers Devils in round one. I don't know which way it goes. Like, I really don't. Even with Patty Kane, Vlad Tarasenko, and the experience this team had last year, I, I don't know where it goes. Uh, I'll tell you this. With Timo Meyer now on the Devils, the Devils should feel a little more confident that they can get that job done. It'll be a heck of a series. Well, the Devils once had interchangeable parts, and they made that work pretty well into three Stanley Cup championships. I mean, that's what they were known for, right? The, the famous interchangeable parts. I, I'm wondering you've played with a lot of talented players. How much does a player in his prime, who to me is a lot like Patrick Kane was in his prime, how much does a player like Jack Hughes change a playoff series? So I'm, I'm really excited to see Jack because man, he's got this, he's got this swagger factor to him that we can all see. Right. And we love it. And it's a little bit of the showtime with that. That was the comp, right. When he was getting drafted, it was, he's a lot like Patty Kane. Um, but, but, you know, the one thing he's kind of figured out even earlier than Patrick Kane is Jack Hughes has been scoring goals this year. And now this makes him even more difficult to defend because if you're going to, if you're going to stand off him and play the pass, which we know he's a great passer and, and Patty Kane came in the league. I remember playing against him. It was, we were always told in the pregame scouts, like, all right, this guy's looking to pass. That's his number one. So you can play off him a little bit, try to take away the passing lanes. Um, and then Patty Kane scored 30 
And it's like, well, we can't do that anymore. Like we got to, we got to get up on him a little bit more. Now you get up on a guy and he could dance you. Like it's, it's, it's almost like that, uh, that, that other threat that they can bring. And Jack's figured that out. Um, I, I can't wait to see how he responds because I feel like he's just a big game player and he hasn't had that type of big game yet, but his, his trajectory in his career, um, it's been awesome. I mean, every year he gets exceptionally better and you watch him with the puck now and what he can do and control the temple. And that that's Patty Kane. And it's crazy that we're, we just got done talking about the one and we're, we're talking about to mm. J- uh, Jack Hughes, but that's what they do. And, and they, they control the tempo. They can get it going North real quick, but they can also slow it down. And now you got to gap up and then he's going to feather a pass into an edit. It's, it's tricky. So uh, I'm excited to see how Jack does it, but I, I think he'll thrive in the playoffs because I, I think he's a gamer. I don't think he's going to back down. He might get hit hard, but Jack Hughes is a guy, a young player that's going to get up and he's going to have a little bite and he's going to have a little smirk on his face. And, and that's what the devils need. Okay. So I, I mean, we've been spending a lot of, before you came on, we spent a lot of time with the Eastern conference. We're spending a lot of time here in the East, but that's, I mean, frankly, that's where the news is right now. I yeah. mean, it's, everybody seems to be loading up. That's got a shot. Where does Carolina fit into all this? In your mind, Mike? Oh, man. I, I've had Carolina all season is probably one of the top three teams. And it's hard for me not to react over what's happened in the last little bit, but I've kind of forgotten about them. I think a lot of people have in this process because of all the big news. Um, they they're, they are a elite team. Um, I think probably because we thought with the Pacioretty injury that they were going to be in on all these big names and and they haven't you know landed really any of those big names um it's i don't know i I, there are they are dangerous they could beat anybody i believe they could beat anybody in the in the east um but it's they still have that lack of finishing that i think that all the other teams have so i don't know if that'll come back and bite them at some point but would i be shocked if they made it out of the east no i wouldn't be shocked at all but it's just funny i think as of late because of all the big news and all these other markets and all these other teams it's kind of like you're waiting for carolina to to do something big and you know that hasn't really happened mike i'm going to move out west and deal with a little bit of breaking news just minutes before we came on with you here at 3 20 in the afternoon uh the vegas golden knights got jonathan quick um is he he hasn't been good this year but he's an elite goalie is he an answer for the vegas golden knights do you think oh it's a storyline it's a storyline for sure um the opportunity to possibly be going against going against the la kings at some point and depending on if he's able to get his game on track and be the guy um i don't know i mean it's it's so hard i think when you have a player that's been banged up to all of a sudden just find it right and uh, but then i i also think that this is a this is a I don't know what you guys think. He's a, for me, he's a borderline hall of famer, right? Like he's, he's, he's got the resume and what I found with players like that. And I played with a lot of greats. I've been fortunate enough to play with some great players where they're just different things that normally make sense. Don't make sense with them, right? Like, Oh, well, this guy's been, you know, banged up all year and he hasn't been able to find his game. Well, you know, he might be able to get back a little bit, but then these guys will just also just flip a switch and like they're going right. So um, the answer, I mean, it's, it's an insurance policy, I think for that group, Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are playing a good brand of hockey. Um, They, 
they need to have strong goaltending. I mean, that's how they're built and that's their MO. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. But man, can you imagine if, if they get that matchup Vegas versus uh, the LA Kings and for somehow or some way, Jonathan quicks in between the pipes, like this is must watch television. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, you'd want to see Jonathan quick in between the pipes, but if Logan Thompson's healthy, he's got to be the guy. Right. Right. I mean, he has to be the guy for Vegas. But so, so let me ask you this though, this is the intriguing part. And this is where you get, put it this way. Mark Andre Fleury's had this at his last couple stops. Okay. Because of his cups, he's won and the greatness he's been is Logan Thompson. I agree with you. He's been these last two seasons has been, he's been the guy. He should be the guy. But if you get in a playoff series and say, Jonathan quick gets in there, he looks, he looks good. He looks good. Well, we're going to go with Logan because he's our guy and he's our guy that's kind of gotten us here. And then all of a sudden you're in a playoff series and you're down two games. It's so much harder to not go to Mark Andre Fleury or Jonathan quick when you got him on roster. Cause you're almost thinking like we can capture that energy, that mm-hmm. greatness in a bottle right now. If it's a normal goalie that even was playing better, this is our guy. This is our guy. You stay with it. But it's always when when you have those great players that are on your roster, and even no matter where they're at in their career, if they're not in and things go bad, it's like, that's our wild card. That yeah. could be our wild card here. So I, I find that very intriguing to, to, to see. And uh, um, we've seen it in the past. It's a tough spot to be in to make those decisions. Yeah, I mean, you look at Minnesota last year, and they had that exact same problem, right? They got down in the series against the Blues. They went to flurry. It tore things apart a little bit. You know, social media from from other people getting into it. So it's difficult. The one thing that I look at quick, and and I don't know how much you've dealt with him in, in covering him, he's one of those guys that really has a chip on his shoulder. And he's always, since he's been a young player, has basically looked at people and said, you don't believe in me. And I'm going to show it and I'm going to stuff it right. You know where, and this is the ultimate, right? If he were to play the Kings, he's going to look across at at management and say, you gave up on me. Here's what you gave up on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, it's all players have that chip on their shoulder and some guys you won't see it, but internally you have that all the time. It's, I think to get to that level, you have to have, there's times where you have to manufacture stuff in your head. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I mean, we, I was laughing about it. The, uh, I was laughing about it at the Super Bowl when Travis Kelsey was like, no one believed in us. No one. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? No, you know what I mean? You, you were, you know, the, the betting uh, markets were saying you're guaranteed touchdown in this game. Like not everyone, like, a lot of people had the chiefs, at least in my, my world, yeah. that people I talked to. So, um, but that's the mentality you have to have. You don't always need to let that out there in the public, right? But you motivate yourself that way. But this is like, this is out there already. Like Jonathan Quick is going to have his jersey hung up in LA. He's going to, I mean, he might have a statue out in LA. Um, and this wasn't the way that he thought it was going to end. Probably it wasn't the way it should have. But at the same time, this is the business. The LA Kings did the right thing as far as getting better. Like they got better. And, uh, but yeah, you use that. You You find a way to use it. You might not... You might say the right things in public. You might say the right things in media, but you you're darn right. Like he's gonna, he's gonna have that as a driving force. And and he has had that his whole career, like you said. All right, last one for me, and I'm gonna stick in the West with it. Does it even matter? Or have the Colorado Avalanche become the team again that we are it's them and everybody else? 
Oh, I thought you were going to say, does it even matter in the West because the East is so good? No, oh, well, that too. That too. <laughs> I thought that you were going too. that route. You can uh, go that route as well, but Colorado's yeah. pretty darn good. <laughs> so, no, that's, and that's where it's at. So there's, I've said it numerous times, the West is wide open. The West is only wide open because the Colorado Avalanche have been hurt all season long. If the Avs had, they haven't played one game with their roster, not one game mm-hmm. with their roster. And if they get healthy, I think they win. But we don't know. I mean, every time these names come, I mean, we're, we're hopeful and we want every player to play. We want every player to be healthy. But at the same time, this has been like, it's kind of drug on. Some of these injuries, you, there's uncertainty in it. And you don't know how it's going to go. Um, I, I think there's teams like the LA Kings. I think there's teams like the Edmonton Oilers who got better and have closed that gap. But still, yes, this is – I still – when that team is healthy in Colorado, even going back to the playoffs last year, even going back to the finals against against Tampa, the league has not adjusted to the way they play. And I know it's a different team now. Like, when Kale McCarr and that decor is going and they're up, it's a – you're on the run at times in games. So, um, yeah, I still think it's them, but they got to get healthy. If it's not them, totally open. I think it's totally open. I think the Kings and the Oilers would be my next two teams that I think can can run and, and steal this thing. That's uh, that's what I was going to go out on because, again, we talked earlier before you got on about David Paul retiring and how that kind of got buried because of the trade deadline. Another thing that's getting buried is the, the brilliance of Connor McDavid, five games in a row with two goals. He He's passed 50 goals. Like He's playing at a level that he hasn't played at in a long time, and then Kenny Holland goes out and makes a deal that he needs to make to get a defenseman in that home. But is it enough with their goaltending to get them over the hump? Well, yeah. Is it enough? I mean, I, I don't think it's probably ideal that uh, they don't have kind of like a lock it down goaltender. And quite frankly, a, a goaltender that we would all agree on that is, yes, that is their starter. Like they, they don't necessarily have that, but they're also a team that has, uh, I, I find them to be very in- interesting because it's almost like Ken Holland. He, he pays more attention to what they are good at as to what their deficiencies are. And a lot of times it's always like, oh, well, we need to get better in this area. We need to add a shutdown this, or uh, we need to add a goal score. Well, you know, let's not forget what where you find your success, right? And so this is a team, they, they go, they go. But you also know while watching them, if they get a three-goal lead, this game's not over. And so um, I, I love that that deal they had for, for Gaver, or sorry, for um, Ekholm. I think he provides a little bit of that, but they're still a run and gun, go, go, go team. So I think that that is what they're hoping that they just need good goaltending. Good. They're not asking these guys to be great. Good goaltending. This team's got a chance. Anything below good, I think they're done. All right, man. Well, this was 20 minutes and it was great. So good luck with hours on deadline day. You might quite literally have to pull a rabbit out of a hat on air. Magic tricks, cartwheels. Let's see what else you can do. I, I'm going to have to stretch because I don't know if I could do any of those things. But uh, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll entertain. Put it that way. We'll entertain tomorrow. There you go. Thanks for doing this, man. Awesome, guys. Thank you. Well, that was really good stuff with Mike Rupp, who will be on NHL Network on deadline day. That's Friday throughout the day. 
and he may be, maybe he will be doing magic tricks. I don't, I don't know, Sean. I mean, I'm going to tune in to watch to see if he does. I want to see his impressions. Yeah, He's yeah. got to have some good teammate impressions. <laughs> I'm sure he does, that he may not be allowed to pull out for, for, you know, for just safety precautions, put it that way. Uh, but look, we were talking, we've obviously done a lot on the East here, and, and, and I mentioned that in the interview with Rupp, and rightly so. I mean, they've really dominated the headlines, so to speak. But we've talked a lot about the quick trade and Jonathan Quick moving first to Columbus, now to Vegas, and what it could mean for Vegas and all that stuff. We don't even know if he's going to play you know, for Vegas when it matters most. But what about the Kings? The Kings moved Quick to improve their team, which is something you never thought you'd ever say because he is a borderline Hall of Fame goaltender and he's the best goaltender in franchise history. But they moved him in order to improve their team. He's part of a trade that improves them. They get Gavrikov. He's a solid defenseman. You know exactly, solid top four defenseman. And Jonas Corposello, when healthy, can be a very good goaltender for this team that has struggled defensively and in net this season. They've addressed two areas, and I think if Corposello can stay healthy, well, he, I mean, he could take them on a run. You could argue that he's the best goalie in the Pacific Division right now. Well, you could argue that if you take Thatcher Demko out of the equation and John Gibson out of the equation and Jacob Markstrom out of the equation, they're all better than he is. Jacob Markstrom's not, not better this than season. Him. Not this season. Last season he was, yeah. you know, but John Gibson's the best goaltender. The other two aren't making the playoffs, dude. I know that, but so you got to take them out of the equation. The teams that are going to make the playoffs, you very well could. You, well, you, you, I mean, it's a very fair argument, actually. And Corpusalo's been really good for the last month. Like, really yep. good. So, I, I think L.A. is much better. But, I look, the other thing that the quick trade has shown, and there's been a couple other ones, is how hard it is to be a GM in this league because you have to take your personal feelings and you have to bury them, right? Rob Blake traded a franchise icon. Mike Rupp was right. His numbers go into the rafters. He might have a statue right next to the one they unveiled last week of Dustin Brown. They are equally responsible for that franchise. And he did what was good for the franchise, what wasn't good for the player. And a lot of people saw it as irresponsible and cold and all these other things. And, and that's what you have to be. I mean, you, you, you look at Steve Eiserman on the day that he signs a franchise linchpin mm -hmm. in Dylan Larkin. He trades Tyler Bertuzzi. And Dylan Larkin's talking about being married to this team for the next eight years, and he's on the verge of tears because he's lost one of his best friends, right. right? Like, there are hard, hard decisions that are made that put people in bad places, and, and that is a really difficult part. Ekholm's another one, right? He's been so good for the Predators, and they just knew that they had to trade him, and it's a tough business, and I think it takes a special person to be able to separate business from personal relationships because you spend all your time with these guys you're invested in them and then you say i'm sorry you're no good for us anymore we need something different we need something new i, I couldn't imagine being in that position and, and welcoming that opportunity you have to be cold business-wise warm emotionally cold business-wise because that's what it comes down to you cannot Dean Lombardi fell in love with players with the Los Angeles Kings after they won the Cup in 2012 and 2014, and they had to rebuild because of it. 
they paid a massive price because he felt he was a GM who was guilty of falling in love with players that won with him for him. You cannot do that as a general manager. You can respect, you can appreciate, but you have to be able to move guys all the time, right? You have to be able to, you know, Moneyball, right? I mean, this is in the movie Moneyball, right? You have to be able to sit across a guy, even if he's a franchise icon, and say, you're no good anymore. Well, you don't say you're no good anymore, but we're trading you because we have to, and here's why. And they have to do that with quick, but if there's a guy uniquely positioned to do that, it's Rob Blake, right? Got traded twice by the Kings. Franchise icon traded twice by the same team. Yeah, and, and look, that's been Lou Lamarillo's calling card the whole time he's been in the league. Think about all the great players that he's traded that's, that have come back to the organization, that loved the organization. They just had the 2003 reunion. All those guys were back. I think half of them might have been traded at some point. Yeah. And, and But he does it in a way that the players respect. And that's the thing in the end. Like, I don't know what happens with Jonathan Quick. I'm sure it hurts right now. I mean, he gave everything to that organization. I'm sure his head is spinning. He's angry. He feels betrayed, whatever it might be. But in the end, you hope everything kind of comes back together and, and they're able to put it all aside yeah. and, and, and recognize who he is and who he was for that franchise. Do you think he ever went to Columbus? No. No, probably not. I think he's driving right now. To Vegas. Yeah, from L.A. It's a yeah. great drive. It is a great drive, actually. It Exciting as you get closer, <laughs> too, man. Your heart starts to hammer. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, Vegas. Here we go. The ride back to L.A., not, not as much fun. Not as much fun. No, definitely not. All right, a couple more things here. We really haven't touched on them. And I'm going to – it's Thursday. And we're, we're approaching 4 o'clock here. I'm going to see them in a little while. The Ottawa Senators, right? They added Jacob Chikrin. Now, we can look at Ottawa, Sean, and we can say – well, this is a great move for their future, right? I mean, he's a 24-year-old defenseman. He signed for a couple more years, a $4.6 million cap hit. Um, fits right in with their age group. Fits right in with everything they're looking at. And that is part of the trade. But this team has played its way into being this trade to help them right now. And I didn't see this coming a month ago. No shot that I see this coming a month ago. I, don't, I, don't, I'm a, I know I'm alone in that. That I know I'm not alone in that, that I didn't see this coming. It's really impressive what the Ottawa Senators, A, have done this season to improve. But you look at this team now with Chikrin on the board, too. They had a really bright future here. You know, like we talked about it before, like the Boston Bruins, they got a lot of players here, but this might be that run that they absolutely need because it might not be the same. It seemed like Ottawa might come in and take Boston's spot next year. Yeah, for sure. Look, I, I think they, they forced – Pierre Dorian to make a move. Derek and, Broussard did because he, he said they better make a move. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know how much sway Derek Broussard has, but you know who has some sway is is Claude Drew. Yeah. And, and there was a promise made there, but we just talked about the business, right? And I don't know if it makes 100% business sense, but the price dropped so much. Like, I think there was a lot of teams looking around the league who were like, that's all it took to get Chikrin. And part of it was that there was no money. The, yeah. the Arizona didn't have to hold any money. Ottawa had the, the cap space to be able to do it. I'll tell you what. I covered the Ottawa Senators at the very start of the year in Newfoundland, which seems like five years ago now. <laughs> and I didn't think 
they would be where they are right now. They've surprised me. They're on the fringes of the playoffs. They're, they're chasing down. They beat Detroit twice this week, um, which was huge for them. They have other teams that they need to catch. But the problem is, is they're going to start playing some really good teams, right? They're going to play Boston. They're going to play the New York Rangers. Yeah. It becomes harder. And they're in a dogfight. And I, I'll tell you what. The results haven't been great this week. Darlene's out. I still love that Buffalo Sabres team. And they're the ones that I really have my eye on. And if anybody's going to upset the top eight, I feel like it's going to be Buffalo. They're coming. Detroit's coming. You know, the Ottawa's most definitely coming. I mean, these are the, these are the teams that we're going to be looking at, not just now. I mean, the wild card race is great. It's so much better, right? Like, this deadline has been terrific it's been a month you know you go back really to the horvat trade right before all-star break it started there uh and remember last year like beast was set it was just jockeying for some positions here and there now you got a lot of teams fighting for these wild card spots it's way more exciting and the games are way more meaningful and impactful every single night well i guess eisman doesn't think the red wings are coming he <sighs> trades bertuzzi he trades ronick well the, the ronick the, the that trade he had to do like that, I don't. That's you get a they got a, a, a first round pick right for for Ronick. I mean that that one you had to do. Bertuzzi, I guess, is not really part of it, but they got a lot of pieces there though. I mean they're they're working, and I don't think Eiserman, in the same, you know, like he's a very patient guy, and I think he understands in that market right now, he can be patient. You know, like it, it's okay right now. Uh, the fans will come back when that team starts to take off because they're they're great hockey fans there. But right now, you can be patient. You can wait a little bit. But look, they they're better now than they were a year ago. You think the players feel that? No, different. But they're right there. They've they've spilled all their blood. That's the cold heartedness of the tears. GM. And and they've put themselves right there. And they did themselves no favors losing it to Ottawa twice. Like, that was the message that was sent. I understand that. But they're in the same place Ottawa is. Ottawa traded for a franchise defenseman. Detroit traded away two cornerstone pieces. Yeah, it, it is interesting. They have the same number of points as we talk right now. But again, then again, Ottawa just smoked them twice, you know, and, and sent the message they, they to were their at GM. home. They were at home on back-to-back -back nights. Weird, by the way. Yeah, that was a little weird. But anyway, I, Ottawa's an interesting team. The, the wild card races are interesting. Uh, it And deadline day may not very well be interesting at all. We'll see. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It will be. Uh, it but, might be interesting as much for what doesn't happen as what does right. happen. There's still teams that need to get better. The Pittsburgh Penguins need to get better. Can they do it? Mm -hmm. Right? There's other teams. The Carolina Hurricanes need to get better. They need to keep up the arms race. Can they do it? The Edmonton Oilers, we just talked about with Mike Rupp. Can they do something? They probably can't address their, their goaltending, but can they do something else to make themselves better? They still need to do stuff. And the West is wide open. What does Minnesota do? Mm -hmm. yeah. right? I, I think, They've done a few things, but yeah, what, yeah. what else? I, yeah. I think you know tomorrow there's, there's two train tracks. One about what people are going to do and what's left, and the other one is about people that are left at the station. Yeah. And, and say, wait, I have a ticket. Sorry, the train's full. And we'll have it all covered. Right. We'll have it all covered on NHL.com. I'll be doing a live blog on deadline day. Uh, and we'll every breaking story, every news story, every analysis you could think of, we'll have it on .com. Follow the NHL. Got to go on. Follow Mike Rupp. You know, we got to plug him, right? I mean, he was yeah. our guest. You know, uh, NHL Network's going to have it covered everywhere. So 
as much as there has been, you're right. I mean, as much as there has been stuff done and this deadline's been terrific and wild and crazy, deadline day will have its moments as well. You know, Dan, I find it interesting that you say you're going to do a live blog on tomorrow when it's actually you and Bill Price. I mean, who's pulling the weight on this one? Do you really want to say? Nope. <laughs> the other guy determines where you go. <laughs> we will have a live blog on NHL.com plus all of our coverage. So, And your your colleagues spread across North America, yes. our, our regular staff writers, will be in most of the major markets that are going to make some sort of move likely or have made moves. Mike Zeisberger in Toronto, Emily Benjamin in Boston. Tom Galitti in Washington. It goes on and on. Tracy Tracy. Myers in Chicago. Nick in Detroit. You know, and and then we have a correspondent in every one of the 32 markets. So if you need anything on trade deadline day, we're the place to come. I'm the only one who won't be carrying my weight on that day. Yeah, but you bring the sugar in, right? The staff. Hey, we're going to be fueled by Duncan. There you go. Trade deadline (laughs) fueled by Duncan. Little sponsorship plug right there. Well, Well, Bob Bender better make sure that gets the sponsorship. (laughs) There you go. I always say enjoy the hockey, so we'll sign off with this way. Enjoy the deadline.